Welcome to the Glow Podcast with Dr. Lan. Our purpose is to inspire and equip you to live a purposeful and maximized life that makes a glowing difference in your world to God's glory. For more inspiring content from Dr. Lan, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Lan on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Now let's listen in and be inspired. Thank you all. Thank you. So I want you all to know that, you know, what we're doing now, this prayer thing that we're doing is how practically any um, movement of God that has transformed the world, that's where they started from. Like all these movements, usually they started from a group of people meeting in a house or somewhere, starting from uh, the Acts of the Apostles in, um, you know, Acts chapter 2. We don't need to go there, but, you know, they were all gathered. It was 120 people that were gathered in the upper room, and they were praying and praying and praying. The Holy Spirit came. Now we have the church that is now worldwide. You move on in history, you know, you begin to see, you know, other other instances. It would be a good study for everyone to study, you know, prayer movements of the church through history. One of the ones that you should go study is the Moravian. They call them the Moravian. They prayed for 100 years every day, nonstop for 100 years, the Moravians. For 100 years, nonstop, it was a group. And from the Moravians, missionaries went all over the world from that group. Is the right from the, the Moravian. 100 years non-stop prayer meeting. <laughs> so, yeah. So powerful. There's another one, of course, you know, that is called the ASTAC, the ASTAC prayer group, 1806. That was from America, the ASTAC group. Just a, a group of college students, they met and they just began to pray. It was from that group that the first set of missionaries all around Asia and everywhere that they came from from the ASTAR group. I know you guys have heard about the Pentecostal movement, Azusa Street in Los Angeles. They were meeting in a place there on Azusa Street. That is where Pentecostalism, which is the most, uh, what do you call it, has most influence, most, uh, like, most extent in the, all around the world right now, started at the, at the beginning of the, um, the 20th century, 19, early, yeah, 19 or something, yeah. Now, all over the world, Ilsong, all these churches, Africa, everywhere, came from that Azusa Street when a bunch of people were praying <laughs> in there. I can go on and on and on. There was, there's a movement that is going on in Africa right now that is so, where you have the largest churches in the world and just so much, you know, it's affecting youth and all that. It started with a group of people in 1948 praying in a room. This is where Redeemed Church, which is now worldwide, came, came out from. Christ Apostolic Church, worldwide, came out from. Then it moved on and moved on. That's what become, became the movement taking place in Africa. It was a group of people that were praying in a room in 1948, in the, in the 40s, and praying. I can go on and on and on and on and on and talk about it. So prayer is essential. We had our own revival when we were in college. So when we're in university, we will pray. Like we'll gather and pray all night, go to the mountains to pray for nine hours, pray for 24 hours, pray and all that. Out of that group right now, 
a lot of people that, you know, that were in that group and what was happening in the college. I looked around up and I discovered that all of them are pastoring churches around the world right now, influencing people, like multiple people. Many of these ministers, my friends, and all these ministers that you see, listening on YouTube, they were part of that revival that took place. We saw it, we were just teenagers, early 20s, you know, teenagers were early 20s and we'll be praying. But now, all of us collectively are pastoring millions of people all over the world in different nations, West, East, and all that. It all started from that, from the prayer group. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. So let's look uh, just at the word. I don't have too much time today any longer, but I want us to just share some things, um, you know, from the word of God. In Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11. Jesus, I mean, the disciples were watching, they were, they were watching Jesus. You know, I'm continuing that series, Let Us Pray. But today I want to talk a little bit about how to pray, how to pray. So in Luke 11, um, they said, let's, let's uh, start reading from verse 1. It said, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. In fact, that, that passage alone should do something to you. He was praying. It tells you that the secret of the ministry of Jesus, the impact of Jesus' life and ministry is rooted in his communication with the Father. It's rooted in prayer. So if our master himself prioritized prayers, we all need to prioritize prayer. The second thing there is the word place, in a certain place. I think it's a good practice for us to, to have a certain place when we, where we pray. Even though prayer can be made all over in anywhere, right? But there's just something about you separating a place in your house, separating a place on where you pray. And it, it gets to a point that when you get there and you are praying, it's like God is already waiting for you. It's like an appointment that you have made. And God is already waiting for you uh, then it says when he finished when he finished so this that's also very powerful it tells us that prayer even though we're supposed to pray unceasingly as you will see right we don't have to always be in the place of prayer alone there are things that we need to do we can keep praying while we're doing those things so you, you can finish praying right and then move on to do other stuff while you are still in the prayer you see have the prayer attitude so when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. You know, I'm always amazed anytime I read this place that these people did not ask Jesus, Lord, teach us how to do miracles, because they see him doing miracles. They didn't say, Lord, teach us how to teach. They didn't say, Jesus, teach us how to multiply bread or how to, how to do all, you know, all these amazing, teach us how to handle people. Teach us how to deal with the Pharisees. They didn't ask that. They said, teach us to pray. Why? Because they knew, after spending some time with him, they knew that the secret of his effectiveness in every other thing that he did was in prayer. They knew it. They were smart. They wanted to go for the source, not just the effect. They wanted to go for the real thing, not just the effect. And I want to say that to every one of you. Our prayer life is the source, the generator, 
the backbone of every other thing. When we have a solid prayer life, God will teach us how to handle every other thing. You know, God will teach us every, it will lead us to every other truth. You understand? It will give us any strategy that we needed, that we, for, that we need for any aspect of our life. If you need help with parenting, when you get into prayer and seeking God, it will teach you how to pray, parent. When we need help with marriage, it will teach us how to handle marriage. When we need help with our youthfulness, when we get into the place of prayer, it will teach us how to be a successful youth. When we need help financially, when we get into the prayer, into prayer, it will tell us exactly what to do. When it comes to a church, when we get to the place of prayer, it will give us the strategies, the one that will work for us. So you see that the root of it is prayer. It's not trying to try everything that everybody's doing, going and all that. It is being in the place of prayer and God showing you. Not that you can't learn from other people, but it will lead you to certain things that will resonate with his plans, and then you can go ahead and do it. This was the root of Jesus Christ's uh, uh, ministry. So he taught, he answered them, he obliged them, and he taught them how to pray. He taught them how to pray. Not just in this place, but in several of his other statements. So I wanted to just look in just quickly, and I'll continue next week, next week on a few things that the word says about how we should pray. Last week we talked about you know praying, like what is the power of prayer. But now we're looking at a few things today about how do we pray effectively? How do we pray so that we get results? Okay? So let's quickly look at some of it today. I will continue next week. The first one, the first thing is, you know, I'm going to be using, you know, some phrases to make it go very fast. Number one, how to pray. Pray purposefully. Pray purposefully. Pray purposefully. Pray purposefully. Mark 11, 24. This is a statement of Jesus, part of his teaching on how to pray. Pray purposefully. Mark eleven twenty four. In Mark eleven twenty four, 24, he says, Therefore, I say to you, whatever you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. The word I want to talk about is desire. Everybody say desire. 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 Whatever you desire. You know, sometimes people get into prayer and there's really no... There's no passion. There's, no, there's really nothing that is moving them. You understand? They're just like, you know, we're just praying. You know, there's really no purpose to it. Pray, prayer that is powerful and effective has a burning purpose in the heart of the person praying. In fact, I can tell you that that purpose, that burning desire is actually the prayer. Do you get what I'm saying? That sometimes, even when it is unhottered, when you didn't you don't say, but it is so strong inside of you, it counts as a prayer to God. So that what is that burning thing? Don't don't get into prayer just be, just because you want to mark the script or you just want to. Well, I, I prayed. There should be something burning inside of you that you are praying about. That's effect. That's how effective prayer starts. And that's what usually sustains you in prayer because there's just something that you want God to do. There's a strong desire. One person that demonstrated this um, very powerfully is in 1 Samuel. If you go to 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 1, her name is Hannah. 
So for a long time, she had been desiring to have a child. She didn't have a child. And she really, really wanted that. So one day she went into 1 Samuel 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. So she went into prayer. And then she, there, was a, there was a way that, you know, uh, there, was, there was a way that a prayer was described there. That she was not saying anything. But she wasn't saying anything. But she had such a strong desire that God, you know, God answered our prayer. He said, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and she said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. He said, not so, my Lord. Hannah replied, I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I am pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace. I may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and she had something and her face was no longer downcast. And then she went back home and then she got the answer. So you see that there was a passion that was in there. They said she was there, she was praying, her mouth was moving, but nothing could be heard. That the priest thought she was drunk. But there was something pouring out of her. There was, there was, a, there was, a, there was sorrow, there was anguish, there was desire. That's the thing, there was strong desire. So we all need to know that for prayer to be effective, and I could show you more examples, but because of time, I will just give you just that one example. For prayer to be effective, it has to start in a desire. It has to start with a burden, right? You've read the book of Nehemiah before, Nehemiah chapter 1. Maybe I should show you that one too. You know, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, Nehemiah chapter 1. So Nehemiah was having fun, you know, they were... They were, they were exiles from Israel, but it happened to be one of the lucky exiles because the assignment that he was given then in Babylon was to be serving the king. They were not at home, right? They were taken you know, captives through war, but he was given the assignment of serving the king. Nehemiah chapter 1, of serving the king. Then one day, while he was searching, Joshua, so one day while he was searching, so while he was serving, one of his brothers came. In Nehemiah chapter 1, one of his brothers came and said, oh, you know what, the, the gates of Israel are burnt and, you know, destroyed. And, you know, things are just so bad at home. People are just suffering back at home there. So look at what he did in uh, Nehemiah chapter 1. After he, after he heard that, you know, he, continued, he went, he heard the news. He said, they said to me in verse 3, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. He said, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, so the Bible talked about his prayer, right? Mentioned his prayer. 
And if you go on, after praying, he appeared before the king. And the king saw that he was still, you know, he was looking. He was not his happy self. You understand? It was somebody who was carrying a burden. And the king was asking, what's, what's going on? You know, what's going on with you? And he mentioned to the king, this is why I'm sad that, you know, my people, you know, the gates of Israel, everything is broken. And the king said, it, and the king, you know, eventually, you know, helped him to go back and rebuild the gate. That was the beginning of Nehemiah's ministry of rebuilding, you know, the walls of Jerusalem. But it started with a burden. It started with a desire that was birthed because of something that was going on. Do you understand? So you need to understand that, you know, for prayer to be effective, there has to be something. Prayer is called travail. That's one of the names using, used for prayer in the Bible, travail. And it is similar to when a woman is giving birth. It's symbolic of when a woman is giving birth. In other words, you don't just give birth to nothing. Do you get what I'm saying? You don't give birth to nothing. Like if there's nothing in there, there will be no travail, right? Do you get what I'm saying? You give birth to something and it usually comes with travail. So prayer, effective prayer starts with a spiritual pregnancy of something that you want to see in the world or in your life that you have not seen. And that thing is just there. And that thing is just pushing you to pray and to pray and to pray and to pray. And that desire is just so strong. Amen. Everybody, do you get it? Say after me. Say prayer starts with desire. It starts with passion. It is sustained with desire. It's sustained with passion. So if my prayer is going to be effective, See, I'm saying, if my prayer is going to be effective, it has to be something that has touched my heart. You get what I'm saying? So, you know, one of the ways you will know what you are supposed to pray about is based on the burdens that God is giving you. Do you get what I'm saying? Because the Holy Spirit will distribute it. So for somebody, anytime they talk about youth, that's what just comes to you. Just want to pray about it. For another person, it's another area that is going to give you, you know, you're just passionate about. What's happening to our government? What's happening to our system? And sometimes you, God will just give you a passion about the body itself, the church itself, the body. And like, how, how, you know, I want people to be united. I want people to be, you know, to be together. I want, God will drop things inside your heart. But when those things become burdens in you, you go into prayer. You have the, the, first, the first ingredient of a successful prayer when you have a strong desire. Amen. So I will ask that question. How many of you have a desire that God has dropped in your heart for prayer? Any kind of desire? Awesome. Praise God. So please pursue it because that's what the Lord wants you to join him, to co-labor in bringing to manifestation on the earth because he works with us as his co-laborer in, in bringing his plans uh, to manifestation on the earth. Hallelujah. Number two, pray scripturally. Pray scripture. I know I said, I said the first one is pray purposefully. So there has to be a strong purpose that gives you desire. Number two, how to pray. Pray scripturally. Pray scripturally. Every prayer that God is going to answer, he has already answered it in scriptures. Any prayer that God is going to answer has already been answered in scriptures. So, meaning that we don't have the latitude to just pray about just anything 
we have the guidance of scripture on what we can pray about. Because the scripture represents the revelation of God's will to us. It's, it's a representation of what God has provided by grace. You get the scriptures represent what God has provided by grace that he wants to do. He has already made provision for it. So we only go in there and look for what he has already said, match it with our desires, and then we'll pray it. Then God is committed to answering it. But we cannot just pray for things that are outside of his will. Do you get what I'm saying? Can't just pray for things that are outside of his will or things that are in contradiction with his word. We cannot do that. So that's why you ha- whenever you want to pray, you have to go into prayer with the word. Somebody said it this way. He said, pray wordfully. Pray wordfully. And then also read the word of God prayerfully. So you read the Bible prayerfully and you also pray wordfully. You understand? So the word and prayer works together. So let's look in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 to 15. This is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. The confidence we have in approaching God is that if we ask anything in accordance with his will, he hears us. In accordance with his will. What is the will of God, right? Where is the will of God revealed? Is revealed in his word. So listen, let me, let, me say, let me tell you this way. The will of God is revealed in the written word. The will of God is also revealed in Christ. So meaning that whatever we see in Christ, we can pray about it. Or what Christ has said, we can pray about it. And whatever we see in the word of God, we can pray about it. Do you get what I'm saying? And also, this, sometimes the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit also reveals God's will to us, but it will never contradict what is in the Bible. So prayer becomes powerful when we are full of the word. You see, the reason why we study the word, like, you know, you do, you know, read the Bible through the year, every year. You're just reading the Bible. Sometimes, you know, when you are reading those things, you feel like, is this relevant to me? Right? If you do, if you have ever done read the Bible through the year, that you read some passages, like every just doesn't make sense to you. Like, why does, does this really matter? What that is doing is that it's building inside of you a vocabulary of God's will, the logos of God. Do you get what I'm saying? It's building a vocabulary in there. And at a particular point in time, while you are facing a need or there's something that God wants to do, God will draw upon something from that thing that you are putting inside yourself. And that's what is going to come out in prayer. That's what will come out in prayer. So that's why we keep reading the word like that. Just keep reading it because you don't know when the the demand is going to come. I mean, I've had experiences in prayer that while I'm praying, an obscure verse or an obscure passage will just flash in my spirit. And that's the passage that God tells me to begin to pray on. Something that is not one of my favorite passages or the one that I've meditated on recently, but just something that I've come across in the past as I studied, as I studied the word of God. That is what is needed for that particular situation that I need God's intervention in. So we need to keep building inside ourselves the repertoire of God's word, the reserve of God's word inside ourselves by reading the Bible you know, regularly. 
reading it, you know, just reading it systematically every day. Just keep reading it. Whether you understand everything, whether it seems applicable to you now or not. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is going to bring to our remembrance the things that God has spoken to us. And part of where he brings those things to our remembrance is through prayer. So you see powerful prayers that you just, you're just there and then the, the passage comes and then everybody just stands on that, on that passage. On the, on the, you, know, you stand on that passage and suddenly it just becomes your understanding of the will of God and what you are plowing. For God to manifest. There was there was something that happened to me, an obscure passage that came to me. It became one of my passages for this year. It was it was an obscure passage in the book of Haggai. And so Haggai, how many of you read Haggai in London? Say your favorite book is Haggai. Haggai. But that was the message God gave me for Glow Church this year. So in Haggai, it was the second temple, right? That they were building. So we were building that second temple and then they were, there were some things happening, so they quit it. So Agai comes as a prophet, and he makes a statement. He said, go outside and build this temple. Go get this. Said, because the glory of the latter house shall be greater than that of the former. He said, the glory of the latter shall be... That passage just exploded in my spirit in prayer. It's one of my scriptures for this year that I'm praying. He said, the glory of the latter house. Meaning that what is about to happen is going to so surpass what has ever already happened before in the past. So I'm praying that prayer out. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than that of the former. And that is going to affect everything. I'm not just talking about glow choice. I'm talking about the latter house of city lights, of LDC, like the latter, the latter, the next season that we're moving into is going to be greater than what we have ever seen. But you take that prayer, right? And you keep praying. You take that passage and keep praying. But if I've never, listen, if I've never read Haggai before, how will God use that to speak to me? How will, that, how will God use that to speak to me? No. So this is just, I mean, those are just, you know, some examples. I mean, well, that is an example of, of how God will draw, you know, from prayers. He will draw from passages that you have read to, to speak to you. You know, there was another obscure passage like that, um, that, um, you know, about, you know, about prayer that just came to me. Um, let me, let's, let's look at it. I'm gonna, I would like to share that. Uh, yes, it's in Amos. How many of you read Amos in this place? <laughs> that's, your, that's your favorite passage. Amos chapter 4 from verse 7 to 8. Amos chapter 4 from verse 17. I'm just telling you about how building a stronger, you know, repertoire of scripture in yourself will come useful in prayer. It says, I also will withheld the rain from you when the harvest was still three months away. He said, I sent rain on one town, but I withheld it from another town. One field had rain, but another one had none and dried up. People staggered from town to town for water, but did not get enough to drink. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. So basically, of course, you know, he was talking about physical, right, physical rain in here, right? But you know, when you, when you study the Bible, you discover that another word, rain is always also used symbolically, you know, to represent the Holy Spirit. 
you know, like Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1, you know, Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1 says, ask you the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. The Holy Spirit is called the latter rain, right? When they were interpreting Joel's prophecy in the New Testament, you know, about the rain that was coming, they used, uh, they, they said it was the Holy Spirit. So, but what I saw from this place is that, God, you know, if you are in your life, you understand, you discover that you can see rain in one, some lives or in some, well, but you can't see none in your life, right? Go to God. Say, return to me. Go to him and ask for the rain. Ask for the rain of the spirit in your life. Ask for the rain on your part of the city. The one that touched me is the town. He said there's rain on one part of town and there's no rain on another part of town, but you can pray for the rain to come upon every part of town. Amen. So you see how God will use these obscure scriptures, you know, to speak to you. And he wants you to bring it to him in prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, there was, there's, a, there's a passage that I would like to share with you. I think it will help you. You know, that, you know, God was talking about prayer. I think he said, he was saying something like, come to me with words. That's one of the obscure passages that just came to me as I was speaking now. So God says that when we come to him, we should come to him with words. You know, don't go into the uh, in, into prayer empty. Go to prayer with, you know, with words. Go to prayer with words, with words. Thank you. Hosea chapter 14, verse 2. That's the passage. So Hosea, see, look at it. It says, take with you words. Look at it. It said, oh, Israel, return to the Lord your God. That's Hosea chapter 14, starting from verse 1. Oh, Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have fallen by your iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously to render the calves of our lips. So he's saying, you go to God, but when you are going to God, make sure you go with words. And what better word is this for you to go to God with than his word? His own word. He cannot deny himself. So if you want to pray powerful prayers, pray scriptural prayers, some of the most, um, how do I say, I mean, the most amazing results that I have gotten through prayer have come when there was a passage of scripture that I'm praying through. I'm just digging through that thing. I'm just digging through that thing. I'm just talking to God about that passage. I'm just saying, God, you said this one. And then I'll go and pray in the spirit. And I'll come back to that passage again. I'll say, Lord, this is what you said. Like this one that I'm praying. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than other for me. He gave me another word this year, in which was 2 Timothy chapter, 4, chapter 2, verse 2. The things that I've committed to you, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So I've been praying that. I go to God. I say, okay, Lord, you, what you have committed to me, God, Lord, show me. And then commit more. Then who are the faithful men or the faithful people? you got to show me who they have. you got to arrange them and keep praying it. And then show me the system. Be able to pass it on to them so that they can be able to teach others also. You know, set up this system. So I, I just stand with those scriptures. I'm praying, praying the spirit. I'm praying. The, sometimes, you know, can pray for a whole day on one passage. Just praying it. I'm praying it. I'm praying it. And then you start seeing it happening. Because God is not going to deny himself. So I want us, you know, this week, please, let's pray purposefully. Write down the desires that God is putting in your heart. And number two, find the scriptures that you are going to pray about. Ask him. You can even ask the Holy Spirit, give me the passage that I should pray with. And then when you find that passage, plow through that passage. 
pray that passage until you know it is it is written in your own heart and the holy spirit god they've had that passage so much you know that they're like man we got to do this thing we've got to do this they want to do it. they're willing it's, the, it's his word you know so so you see you start seeing the manifestation of the because you are praying according to god's will you are praying according to god's plans hallelujah Did you guys get something all right so we'll continue next week you know on how to pray how to pray how to pray powerfully you know lord teach us to pray all right so pray purposefully and pray scripturally let's rise up on our feet pray purposefully and pray scripturally amen thanks for listening to the glow podcast we trust you were blessed and inspired for more contents from dr land visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at pastorland on instagram twitter and facebook keep glowing see you next time